Welcome to the Forge America Missional Podcast. My name is Alan Bradford, coming to you from Knoxville, Tennessee, and with me, as always, I don't even know why I even introduce you anymore, Terry is she from Austin, Texas. How you doing, Terry? I'm good, man. Thanks for always introducing me, though. I really appreciate it. And with us today um, is Bob Tankersley from Lexington, Kentucky. Uh, Bob is the Director of Discipleship and Ev- Evangelism at First Christian Church in Versailles. You, that's how you say it, right? Versailles. Versailles, yeah. Even though you're supposed to say Versailles if you're somewhat educated, but it's Kentucky, so it's Versailles. Um, yeah, I know. Hey. Bob and Bob. Tennessee, Kentucky. I don't get you guys. Like, This is what we got to do. We have to do it that way. And, but Bob is also the Director of Forge Lexington up there. Been doing that here for a little bit. And so, Bob, it's really good to have you with us, man. Thanks. Glad to be here. Yeah. So, so tell us a little bit, what's it like to be a, the pastor of discipleship and evangelism, both of those things? What's that like, man? When we developed the position, I guess it's been about three years ago, we, we really wanted to go with something like director of missional involvement or something, but that missional idea was still so new for our people that we didn't think that a lot of our people would really understand that. And so... So discipleship and, and evangelism. In fact, technically, my 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 title is discipleship slash evangelism. So that's my nickname around around the church. Is I'm the slash. Nice. <laughs> and you know, I think a big part of my my job has just been trying to educate everybody that those things are two sides of the same coin. Yeah. You know, my phrase is always it's one big giant hairball, you know, you could just, you could just shorten it to discipleism, you know, take a, yeah, <laughs> that's right. Pastor of discipleism. Yeah, that would yeah. probably bring up more questions <laughs> than right. missional involvement. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's educating your people. What does that actually end up looking like for you? Well, you know, it's, um, it's really interesting. I, I serve in a church that is a little under 200. Uh, and in fact, we actually, in age, this congregation's been around just slightly less than 200 years. Wow. Uh, so it's a, you know, it's an old uh, Disciples of Christ congregation. And so there's a lot of things sort of set in motion by that. Uh, and so a lot of people come to the table with specific ideas of what discipleship and evangelism are and so a big part of my job has really been re-educating in the last few years and pointing us more towards that uh, maybe my job sort of like that giant merge lane we're trying to merge the two into one idea of uh, missional living that's no small task man <laughs> no it's not it, it's not because you you are you're fighting a lot of traditional mindset I've really gained a lot from listening to Beth Wolf because I think in a lot of ways she's been walking that road and, and trying to help people see that like evangelism isn't going and knocking on doors necessarily on, on Saturday mornings. And that scares a lot of people off. Nobody wants to do, you know, we talk, talk about the E word and nobody wants to do that. I don't want to do that either. You know? So what's it been like uh, as, you know, I don't know what we call this, if we're coming out of COVID or if we're not, I have no idea. Um, But in this time right now, I mean, uh, we were just talking earlier before we started to record that you said you are, you guys are starting to open up more. You know, you're meeting in person, you've been teaching in person, you're starting to kind of go back towards, you know, what you were beforehand. But what's it like, what's it been like for these last little bit to, to kind of help people still see discipleship and evangelism, missional living, all of those things in the midst of COVID when you were trying to help them make the shift in the beginning? But now you're like, hey, what, what does this actually look like? Yeah, that's a great question, because in the beginning, one of the things that we really tried to shift our people towards 
was rediscovering their neighborhoods. You know, uh, you can't do much. Go walk your neighborhood. And as you walk your neighborhood, you know, notice things. Don't just, you know, uh, stick music in your ears, but go and, and uh, you know, five cents uh, your, your neighborhood, listen to what's going on in your neighborhood to see, see your neighbors. And my wife and I did that, you know, we, we both switched to a, to a pattern. We were both working totally from home. And so that was a great exercise for us. So we began walking two or three times a day and number one, meeting people that we didn't, we hadn't met before, just having conversations, just the beginning of those conversations, but mainly just noticing things. And I think that was early on in the spring of 2020, we really just started pushing people to do that. And, and, uh, you know, uh, because it was, it was like this giant speed bump in life. And now everybody was noticing things that, that they weren't noticing before. And now as we open back up, now the challenge is, hey, don't lose that. Let's not go back to the mentality that, I mean, we're, we're ensconced in the, in the Bible belt. And so discipleship traditionally in the Bible belt is, is the gathering of information. You know, it's one more study, it's one more, et cetera. And, and instead, I think we've done a good job of getting people to begin that relational element and to to see that discipleship really happens outside the classroom it happens on front porches and on you know daily walks and everything and now there's we really fight that mentality of oh well good we can we get our bible classes back you know and now we we can we can let all that other stuff go get back to bible class check in once or twice a week and then we're good with god you know so that's i think that's the struggle now going back to that that normal and why go back to that? Yeah, that's really good. That's good. And it's going to be it's going to be a hard fight, man. Yeah. I mean, it, the, the muscle memory on that is so strong. So you were doing it beforehand. You're doing it in the midst of mm-hmm. you're going to keep doing it. That's really good. So, hey, uh, Forge Lexington, man, you're the director of Forge Lexington. What has that been like in this season? <laughs> well, that's been that's been interesting. You know, uh, we made the the really smart move of starting uh, a forge hub deep in the midst of COVID. I think it was June, May or June of last year. And, you know, one of these things that, Hey, you know, your whole basis for existing is, is relational networking, but you can't do that now, you know? And so, so, you know, the, the vast majority, well, I mean, yeah, I guess 99% of it has been online. It's been on zoom, you know, it's, it's been interesting. It's been challenging. Of course, a lot of it just really started and, the foundation of it's just within our church here at FCC. You know, we've been networking a bit with a couple of other churches. We've actually, I'll finish up uh, first residency with a pair of a pair of churches in Lexington. Uh, they finish up next month. But and again, it's all been on online. But it's been great. I mean, I, and I think that's allowed for an intimacy that may not have been there if we were all sitting around in a room somewhere. But uh, but it has been challenging, uh, you know. I've I've talked with y'all a lot. Uh, y'all y'all have heard a lot of the the struggles. I'm I'm excited about what the future is holding, uh, because I think we've laid some good groundwork, and maybe this was the speed that I needed to go in. But it has been frustrating. It, it's it's been frustrating because you know by this point you want it so far down the line. So yeah, but it's been good, man. Like one of the things I've noticed is um, you know people. I think it, it might be the different areas of the country too that this may, may be true, but I've seen different people do a hub or do what they're doing in different ways. And sometimes you just have to lay a lot of groundwork 
And it's actually just years and years of groundwork before you get anywhere. Some people are able to just like show up, they get really apostolic and then they create something and whatever and explodes. I think that's actually pretty rare. Uh, I think it's, it's, it's working and, and getting out there and saying, Hey, how do we, how do we do this together? This is about the kingdom in Lexington or the kingdom wherever, you know, and we're going to do this and learn from each other. So I think what you're doing is great, man. You've been doing a great job. And, and really I've got to give credit to uh, actually Sean Gladding, uh, who y'all know, you know, Sean's here in Lexington and I actually met Sean goodness about three or four years ago at a little conference up in Cincinnati and uh, <laughs> not Cincinnati, no. uh, but in Cincinnati. And uh, you know, he was, he was talking uh, about the fact that, you know, he really wished that there was a forge hub here in Lexington, but that he just really didn't have the time that he didn't have the bandwidth to, to begin it. And, and uh, so he and I started talking more and, and, uh, He's, he's part of the official, the, uh, I guess the unofficial team as much as anything has just been a really great encouragement to me to just keep going and, and, uh, uh, to keep getting out there, even in the midst of, even in the midst of COVID. So what are the questions we've been asking this season? And it, and I'm, I'm really interested in what you're going to say here, Bob, because as someone who's working in the church, as someone who's trying to, you know, doing the forge thing, one of the questions we've been asking is what are the questions the church should be asking now as we're coming out of COVID or whatever it is that we're doing? What are the questions we think the church should be asking? So from your perspective, what, what do you think those are? One of the baseline questions that really goes below everything is, it's something that I, I'm just constantly turning around. And, and that's the question of, is, is God enough? I, I think that, you know, behind, I think the idols of today's church of, uh, you know, consumerism and materialism and individualism, all of that goes back to this question that I think all of us individually have to answer is that is, is God enough? Is God enough for me in my life? And my response to him really comes from that. Uh, it's no different than really what was going on in the garden with Adam and Eve. I mean, the question the you know, all that conversation with the, with the snake in the garden was really, is God enough? God has given you all this. God has told you this, but is God enough? And I think we all answer that. And even within churches, I think a lot of the, the reasons that, that churches push towards certain areas even like talking about, you know, church growth model and, and uh, being attractional is the question that, you know, how we answer is God enough? And I, sadly, I think a lot of times the answer is no, uh, God's not enough. Walking with Jesus isn't enough. Therefore we need to add this program or we need to add this show or this event. And it, it is a, it's a long walk. Right. Didn't Peterson talk about that, you know, discipleship was a, a long, a long walk, um, long obedience in the same direction. Yeah. Long obedience in the same direction. I think that's a, I think that's an awesome, you know, and my people at FCC, especially they get tired of me talking about the fact that this is a crock pot. This is, this is not a microwave. And that, that question of is God is enough. That's a crock pot question um, because that's something that's gotta be constantly answered. Um, and it informs everything else, even, you know, the programs we have, what, how we view discipleship, how we view evangelism, how we view, you know, the people around us in our neighborhood. Because I think a lot of us still, we don't think that God's enough. All right, Bob, you just came out swinging, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> You're just coming out at all the idols. That's great. This is awesome. 
Yeah, th this question, man, it, that really resonates with me. I mean, it, I think it's it, it really speaks to kind of a, a fundamental philosophy that I've had for a really long time, even before I got into the whole missional incarnational, you know, that conversation really was raised for me. This is something that I've always wrestled with. And even when I was a pastor of, of students and next generation doing that back in the day, that was a question that I would always pose to our people. And now I'm the parent of a 15 year old and I'm asking her that question. Like, you know, and it, and it always boiled it down to at least for young people, but is, is happiness, right? Everyone wants to be happy, right? And so I would always challenge young people with, is, is Jesus big enough to trust with your happiness? Like if you were to truly just follow Jesus, or do you believe that you would, could you, could you just truly be happy doing that? Like, is he big enough to trust in that? And you know, what you're, the question you're asking is kind of a bit of an offshoot of that. Like, is Jesus enough to trust to do this? And that's, that's even in back in the day I, uh, in student ministry, it was like, Oh, we, we got to add some excitement because it's not enough. It's Jesus plus, you know, I don't know, uh, fill up a baby pool full of chili and throw kids inside of it. You know, just a, like a, what was your know. ministry like Terry? Oh, we, we threw it down back in the day. It was, it was, it was an interesting uh, time for sure. But, but it was always that, right. It was always Jesus plus, Oh yeah, this, this will make it a little more exciting. This will make it a little more. And I think we, we see that, that in adult ministry. And, and one of the things that I'm, I'm, I'm not a hundred percent on yet. There, there are things that I'm really hopeful, but this next generation where there seems to be, at least at the conversation right now, there seems to be a, a peeling back of some of these layers that the, you know, uh, the, us older pastors and those even older than us, because we're all fairly young guys on this call, uh, but yeah, I mean, they're they're trying to pull it back and say, no, 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 let's just get to the 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 essence, right? Peeling back the veneer of of cool, right? And and so there that that excites me. At least the conversation about it now, whether it really happens or not, we'll see. Because I still see a lot of people in this next generation, they're still doing a lot of a lot of energy and a lot of time and resource is still going into creating something. It's it's not as basic and pure and simple as maybe some of the conversations that people are having. You know, it's one thing when a researcher says, oh, this is what the next generation wants. And then you actually see it played out. So I get that. But the, at least the conversation is going back to what does it look like to peel some of this back? Let's peel it back and get to the true essence of what it means to follow Jesus. And can discipleship and evangelism occur in that? Is it natural? And and from what we've experimented with here in Austin, we, we see that. We actually think this is a, and it's actually a, a better way forward. You know, Bob, you, were, you mentioned earlier, you know, being the pastor of evangelism, I don't really want to do evangelism. I remember years ago, and I apologize, because I think I've said, I've shared this on the podcast before, but when I was church planting, and all the conversations I was like, just you know, bumping gums about this and that, and, oh, we're going to do this. And, and people were like, it sounds like you're trying to do this missional incarnational thing. You should like, and I, I didn't know any of that. I'd never heard of Alan or any of that. Uh, and so I started to kind of like look at it and, and begin the process. And, and really what I was, what I was 
I pushed back it originally. I was like, oh, no, 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 no. I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. Because the idea of missional, like, missional mission was my version of evangelism. Like, I'm an evangelist, so I'll talk about God all day. It doesn't bother me. But, like, I don't want to go, like, fix someone's yard. You know, that, that that's that's what I, I defined mission as projects. I was like, I don't want to just fill my day with a bunch of projects. That sounds exhausting. But as I began to, like, really root down, okay, what is it? What is mission? Then all of a sudden, it was very life-giving. Because my, my perception of what was created was that's not life-giving. But what we have truly found is that, discipleship, evangelism, mission, if done with all the layers peeled back, it's actually a very life-giving, very sustainable way of living. And it's actually my preferred way of living. It's it's way more enjoyable than when I was doing all the junk back in the day. Yeah, I, I, spent, I spent a lot of years early in my ministry experience in youth and family ministry, and, and I've repented of that, you know, many times, <laughs> because I'm, I'm with you, Terry, you know, it's like, I, I can remember going to one of the old conferences where they were teaching you the brand new games, and I remember one of the games was, you need to get a, a trout uh, to, you need two trout from the, from, from the grocery store. And basically you're going to, you know, have this chicken fight and one kid's going to try and they're going to hit each other with trout and, and try and knock the other one off. And I'm like, I can remember sitting there going, how in the world, you know, what, what does this connect to the flip side of that was that, uh, you know, early, early on, one of my, one of the first positions I held up in North Texas, up above, the Dallas Fort Worth area, you know, I, I basically ended up getting fired from that job because the Baptist church down the, down the street had 200 kids on a Wednesday night and we had 20, you know, I was focused already. I didn't, you know, I didn't even, I'm, I'm like you, I didn't have even this, this concept of this missional incarnational thing, but I was focused on, on this concept of discipleship with these kids and I can remember being called, you know, called on the carpet about the fact, well, why don't you have a youth group like the one? And I said, well, I, I could do that if I, if I want to play games, you know, every time we're getting together and feed them all the free pizza they can eat. But I want them to walk with Jesus. I, I want them to be more, more like Jesus. And I, you can do that. But I mean, I think today we're still reaping the whirlwind where that's concerned. I mean, because those teenagers are now the adults that are making, making those choices. And it's, it's a struggle. We're still convincing them of what discipleship is, what evangelism is. I, I think it's, that's sad. That, that's, that's sad. So a couple of years ago, I was thinking about this and the whole idea, when I heard your question, Bob, the idea is got enough. I went to the idea of scarcity versus abundance. You know, that idea of which mindset are you going to live out of? Are you going to live out of the mindset of scarcity? There's not enough to go around or the idea of abundance that we, we serve a God who, who lives in abundance. And it is, it's, it's a posture. And I like how you framed it. It's a posture we have to individually take, but then as an organization, as a movement, as a church, whatever, which, which how are we going to look at this? And it reminded me of it, the time I kind of started nibbling around that concept was when Avengers Infinity War came out. <laughs> So here's your pop culture reference, Terry. Right? And, and the amazing thing about that movie was afterwards, everybody started going, but Thanos was right. There's not enough to go around. So he, he does need to kill off half the universe or whatever. He's right. Like there was this huge buzz about it. And really, 
you know, the good guys on the other side really didn't offer anything to say, oh, no, here it is. You know, and it really was a scarcity versus, well, no, he's just a bad guy. We got to stop him mindset as opposed to an abundance mindset. But that idea, right? The idea of like, what's the posture we're going to take? You know, I love that question. Is God enough? Is Jesus enough? You know, especially as COVID has stripped away a lot of things. Now we're we're going to start putting those things back, you know, right, wrong, good, bad. But really the question remains, is God enough? That question can be extrapolate it to every aspect of one's life. I think it's actually, the more that I'm I'm sitting here and thinking about it, I think it may be the most powerful question we've had all season. If you really just sit and think about it, because that challenges every theological thought that you have, every concept that you kind of wrestle with is, is, is coming back, is, is Jesus enough? In my time as a, an a, uh, as an adult, uh, we, we, I've had the conversation about, different theological arguments and, you know, not, not to turn this into a question of reformed versus unreformed. And, you know, we're all reforming and all that. I get that, but like, it's, is Jesus enough? It's how much of his blood was shed for me and all of that kind of thing. And so I think there's a lot of things that we can, we can, we can take an idea and we can beat it so much that it actually becomes harmful. And so I think that's, I think this is actually one of those questions where we could, if, if, if extrapolate it too much could actually probably be dangerous, a dangerous question to ask. But one of the things that just, even as we sit here and think, I think it's, as we apply it to our own life, the idea of trusting is Jesus enough. I think that, that, that's something that has to, you have to wrestle with. And you know, I was even having conversations recently about pacifism. I was probably at a movie. That's usually where all these things happen as I was, I was watching a movie and, you know, the idea of the nonviolent response and then how, how do governments do that and all of that. And so how do you, how can you be a pacifist and be a good American? Yeah, I think we, we went and saw a movie on July 4th and that's what it was. It was like, how can you be a good American and not and be anti-war and all of that? And, and my only really response was, well, I'm just trusting Jesus that as the idea goes, as one more person believes that, right? Is Jesus enough in my life? So when I'm trying to disciple my daughter and we're having conversations, she's like, but dad, I need this. I was like, well, but do you, you know, is what you already have enough? Is, is, is who Jesus is in your life? Is that enough? Can you trust that? As more people believe that, pacifism only works if more and more people believe that. Pacifism as an as as a ideology, I don't. And again, I'm not smart enough to really make these claims or make these statements. But at least in my understanding, if only a few people adopt pacifism, it's not going to work. <laughs> it's just going to get obliterated. But can we can we take the idea of love, uh, the way that Jesus loved, and more and more people do that? That's how that that idea works. Well, that's what discipleship is right? It's passing on this idea that, hey, here's a way that Jesus might live. Can you commit to that? I'm going to commit to that. Can we get other people to commit to that? And the more and more people, you know, that there's a part of me that has some sort of hope that we might live in a world where war is just non-existent. But the only way we get there is if more and more people believe and adopt that idea that love is enough. 
or God is enough. Jesus is enough. Yeah, I like I like what you were saying, Terry. I, I agree with you. I think that that idea of abundance versus scarcity, that's that's totally behind that question. And I think that that it also it parallels that concept of everybody's really good with Jesus being our savior, but but most people really get uncomfortable when we deal with the idea of Jesus being our Lord. And what that means, because then that scarcity, that scarcity jumps in. When I talk in my context about that Jesus is Lord over your retirement, in my context, in our church, a lot of, a lot of retirees, very, very heavy retiree congregation. And when I start talking about things that life's not meant to just retire and then just cruise for the rest of our life that or maybe maybe Jesus should be the lord over your vacation and i don't mean it's got to be a mission trip i just mean that should be the lens that everything goes through that goes back to that yeah i'm good with Jesus as savior but i give him 2 hours on sunday morning the rest of the week is mine and that's a scarcity mentality what we used to call that's what i grew up calling a depression mentality I mean, my grandparents held on to things strongly. They had lived through the depression. They knew what that meant. And I think in a lot of ways, the church still suffers from a depression mentality. That keeps us from starting these new things. It keeps us from living in our neighborhoods the way we should. As an Enneagram six, you start talking about retirement and security, man, my hair on the back of my neck stands up. And so, but it's good. It's, it, those are those are things we have to wrestle with. Bob, dude, thanks for for being on the podcast today. I think it's it's been huge. I uh, love your story. Uh, man, you've been such a good friend over the last handful of years. And I love the work that you're doing uh, with uh, FCC there in Kentucky. And, and then, I mean, love that you're partnering with Forge and, and doing that. And so, man, we're just praying for you and, and know that the work that you guys have ahead of you, I know God's going to bless it and it's going to be good. So, but dude, uh, so we've been ending all of our podcasts uh, all season. And I know you're one of our listeners, so none of these questions should be uh, new to you. And so five quick questions. And so I'm just going to like fire hose blast you uh, with these questions and then just give us your, your, your gut quick response. And so, all right, so let's jump into it. All right. So question number one, what have you been reading? I'm actually at the moment, I'm into three books right now. Okay. Uh, first of which is um, uh, The Art of Gathering uh, by um, what Priya Parker. I, I actually, somebody on one of our one of our Forge calls recently talked about that. And I got into that. Man, that's just gold. It's great. I'm already I'm already rethinking stuff that I'm that I'm in and that I'm leading. I'm also I'm reading the coach model. Uh, I don't know who turned me on to that. Uh, yeah, I, don't know, I don't know which two guys <laughs> uh, uh, badgered into, you know, yeah, it's great. You yeah. should read this. And, and that is, that's helping, uh, you know, that's, that's cool. Uh, and then I'm also in, um, I'm finally getting around. I, I very sorry. I've had this on my shelf for nearly a year. I'm finally getting around to reading uh, Reformation uh, by Alan and, and Mark. And uh, I, I'm liking some of the some ideas, again, sort of challenging in some things there. Yeah. Oh, good, good. Well, it's it's nice to read the book by one of the founders. You know, it's like yeah. a, <laughs> a checkbox. We all have to at least thumb through it. So that's, that's right. Awesome. Yes. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm actually hearing. Yeah, I, I can't remember who suggested the art of the gathering uh, because I've seen it several times now, kind of pop up, and so and especially the just current circumstances. I think that's one of those books that are going to be helpful for people as they think through churches reopening and kind of regathering and, and some mm-hmm. of that. So that man, that's awesome. I'm glad to hear that you're enjoying yeah. that. All right, yeah. So question number two: uh, What have you been watching? What are you watching right now? That's that's any good. Well, my wife and I really jump around. We we are cord cutters. We we got off a of cable years ago and just just stream and um, and so uh, you know we we sort of binge things back and forth, different different genres. Uh, but I tell you what, one of the things that's just really spoken to us over and over and over again. We I, I don't I don't know how many times we've watched through the entire series, but on Netflix there's a series called Somebody Feed Phil. Oh yeah, um, it's with uh, Phil Rosenthal, and Phil Rosenthal was one of the creators of Everybody Loves Raymond. Yeah. But this dude, he goes all over the world, and uh, so my wife and our foodies, and we love travel. And but I tell you what, if nothing else, I mean, it's just feel good television. He thoroughly loves the places he goes. He thoroughly loves the people that he's with. I mean, he's a Muppet. If you ever watch the dude, the dude's a living Muppet. I mean, he really is. <laughs> but I don't know what other reality show out there shows more shalom than, mm-hmm. than this show. It is just by the, just about by the end of every episode, my wife and I are both bawling wow. and hungry, you know? Because because he's just it's just it's good television. That's awesome. Um, he it just his love of the world comes out. Yeah, yeah. That's I think every Netflix user has like a show that they've put in their queue, but has like sat there for years. That's that show for me. Like because I I love those shows like uh, Parts Unknown by Anthony Bourdain. Yeah. I love that. I love when people travel, meet cultures, especially if it's surrounded around food. Because I too am a foodie um but i've never i've never really watched it because he looks like a goofball and so there because there's always something else to watch Mm -hmm. so i may have to give i may actually have to bite the bullet and start that if you like those shows i'll just throw out a show recommendation that i just recently watched i thought was phenomenal is and our friend chris battle who was on the podcast last season uh he i know he just had a uh, a talk out at the farm about this but high on the hog yeah. which is the Netflix. Uh, so like, I think it's like a four part, five part, but it talks about how African-American culinary has, how it's influenced food in America. And that is a fascinating, phenomenal little watch. And of course they ended in Texas because, you know, all good food uh, documentary series should make it to Texas eventually. Question number three, what's the funniest thing that happened during quarantine? Or if you can't think of anything funny, what's something cool that happened during quarantine? One of the coolest things is I finally got a smoker uh, during during quarantine that really opened the door to sharing some things with my neighbors. And uh, that really wasn't the point of buying it to begin with. I I spend far too much money at barbecue restaurants and needed to learn how to do it myself. But, uh, but that's really opened some doors with some neighbors. That's, that's been a cool byproduct of that. That's been a great blessing for us. Plus the food's good too. So yeah. 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 As a Texan, that, that totally, that's, that's definitely a cool story. Love that. Yeah, and I agree. Barbecue prices have just gotten ridiculous. I mean, we're up to thirty dollars a pound in Austin for brisket. 
Oh yeah. So, yeah. It's ridiculous. Question number four, what is bringing you life right now? What's, what's life giving for you guys? Well, one of the things I think for, for my wife, Sharon and I, we celebrated our 30th anniversary last year. Nice. Okay. We had this huge, uh, around Easter of 2020, we had this huge 15 day long trip uh, planned to go to Mexico. We didn't want to go and go sit in some resort. We wanted to go and be with people. Obviously that got delayed. That's finally coming up here in a few months. We're, we sort of have a countdown. We're going right after Thanksgiving. And uh, so every day uh, for us, you know, we're, we're still saving money for that. And, and uh, every, every dollar that goes into the, the taco fund, that's, that brings a lot of life. That's, I guess that's sad that it's so, so surrounding that, but, but we had, we, we, we really, that was a lament for us. I mean, we really, we had, we had planned that trip for years. Yeah. And so now that it's finally happening, God, God, you know, sort of opened the door. We didn't think it would ever happen uh, for so many different reasons. And he's just allowed that. That right now is, is bringing a lot of life to us because we know it's coming very soon. So. Nice. Yeah. And so 31 years, you guys have been married. Yeah. Uh, coming up in August, 31 years. I mean, did you get married at like 15? Like yes, how, actually, how old are you, yes. Bob? Well, like, I'm, I'm from middle Tennessee and that's okay. So <laughs> <laughs> no, no, we got married when we were 20. My wife says we got married way too young and she's probably right. You know, that goes back to that scarcity and abundance sure. conversation because we, our, our lives together have been um, very unconventional. Uh, that's the way we, that's our word. Uh, we, we never were blessed with children. We've learned to follow God's abundance uh, rather than the world's abundance. So Dude, yeah. That's beautiful, man. That's beautiful. Yeah. That's, I got married at 18. So I'm, yeah. I'm right there with you. So man. you're with us. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, we do 25 next year. So oh, we're, that's we're, cool. we're catching up. We're catching up with you. All right, man. So last question, what is your favorite thing about Versailles? Did I say right? Versailles. 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 My favorite thing about Versailles. You know, the people are the people are great. Neither neither my wife nor I are from here. Uh, we ended up here about 15 years ago, just by some different circumstances. But we love it. We are deep in um, bourbon and horse country. You know, when they show all that footage around the Kentucky Derby of the big horse farms. Well, that's about 100 yards down the road. One of the most well-known bourbon companies is here in Versailles. And so it's just a beautiful place, but it's a beautiful people. I mean, broken like everywhere else, but we just love the people. It's a gift. It's a, it's a gift here. Yeah. That's awesome. Ah, man, it's beautiful. Yeah. I love Kentucky. I don't know about Bradford. I don't know why Tennessee people have problems with Kentucky. <laughs> I mean, you're guys, not, you're not Oklahoma. So that, yeah. that that's oh! huge, right? So Oklahoma way down on the list, then Arkansas, then Louisiana. Yeah. I love Kentucky. Kentucky sounds awesome. I mean, you guys got horse racing, bourbon and fried chicken. That's like, that's the trifecta. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Y'all need, y'all need to come up sometime. Well, I would I'll take to. you around. Would love to. Would love to. All right. Well, Bob, man, thanks again for being on the podcast. Dude, uh, if people, uh, if they're listening and they're like, hey, I want to I want to connect with with, with with you, man, How, what's the best way for them to get a hold of you? Do you have like a website that they can go to or an email or anything? Uh, the best best way to get a hold of us, we are at forgelexington at uh, gmail.com. 
Uh, I'm in the process of, of setting up a website for us. You can also find us Forge Lexington on Facebook. That's our that's our main conduit at the moment. Nice. Um, but yeah, yeah. Very cool. All right. Well, hey, if you guys are listening and you're anywhere uh, kind of in that Kentucky, Tennessee, Indiana, Ohio, that kind of area, uh, man, Bob would be definitely someone that you would want to reach out to or even someone thinking about how to do mission in a rural kind of, you know, context. I mean, I know you guys aren't super rural, but you're surrounded by it. And so uh, Bob would just be a great resource just to chat with. And man, he's such a good guy. So I think he'd love connecting with us. So check that out. uh, ForgeLexington at gmail.com or you can find it ForgeLexington on Facebook. So Bob, thanks again, buddy. Uh, Thank you guys for listening. Make sure you share this with your friends or anyone who might uh, be interested in the missional and conversation and uh, we will see you next time.